Welcome to Busy House Happy Home, where you can ask Charlie your home dilemmas and I will help you along with my expert friends so your busy house becomes a happy home. I'm absolutely thrilled to have Charlotte from Ballancourt Nutrition on the podcast today. Now, this is actually possibly our third attempt. So third time lucky. Charlotte, welcome. Oh, thanks so much, Charlie. It's great to eventually be here with full connection. I know we have had internet problems and <laughs> um, the sound quality wasn't good enough. So we are trying we are trying for the third time, but I just wanted to get you on to chat to everybody because you are incredible when it comes to nutrition and gut health and, you know, women's health and all these things, food related, obviously nutrition related, because that's what you have specialized in. But I just, um, you are a font of all knowledge. Will you tell us a bit about your background, Charlotte, and how you've got into nutrition? Yes, of course. So it's interesting that you just said you are of everything nutrition because nutrition has also become lifestyle medicine as well. And um, so I started um, as well, it was a good old 15 years ago now when I was a management consultant in London and I was completely burning out. And I thought, God, something needs to help me here. And I um, I started doing, I had been a personal trainer prior to being a management consultant and I knew the sort of benefits of eating and um, sort of lifestyle on one's health and I wasn't following any of it and I had all sorts of issues going on IBS being a big one skin health irregular cycle you name it and I ended up completely burning out um, and I started doing um, a diploma which then turned into a degree in nutrition and it took me many 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 years because I was working like a dog at the same time um, and then I eventually qualified 2016 and I've been nutritional therapying ever since um, and I set up a little clinic called Balancor Nutrition and um, I see one, to, sorry, it's the dog banging his head on the desk. Um, I set up a clinic, um, yeah, Balancor Nutrition and we run one-to-one therapeutics um, with normally stressed clients, stressed women, but I also support men, often the husbands of said women. Um, and we look at a sort of end-to-end diet and lifestyle management um, I do often recommend supplementation and we often do functional testing as well. Amazing. Amazing. Because we are what we eat and people seem to forget that. Yes. So it's interesting. I would now say we are what we eat, but we also are what we think and do, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the importance of diet is it, it's become it's become more and more well known, particularly over the past five years, particularly like, you know, it's it's now sort of very obvious that we need to have more greens in our diet and more colors um and the likes of tim Spector, who um is the fantastic doctor who runs the zoe app he's really brought gut health to the forefront um and all of the menopause and work that's being done by mariella fostrup and the like and davina mccall has really got people thinking about you know their their overall health but also their diet yeah. Um, but alongside that, the, the lifestyle factors and the impact of stress um, and what we expose ourselves to on a day to day basis, just our actions is is also just as important as what we eat. And that's what nutritional therapists um, also think about when we are supporting our clients. Yeah. And we can make changes to our life. You know, we can be going along in a rut, in a bad place negative unhappy and actually we've got 
the power to make those changes. And it, I'm fascinated actually that you made that change from you know your job working like a dog, as you said, um, you know, not happy and not healthy. And yeah. you were brave enough to make that change. So I think what the, one of the major reasons I, I do what I do now for stressed, busy women particularly, is because I don't want people to have to go through 10 years of research and studies in order to be healthy. Um, we, I think we often see it, particularly if you're a perfectionist, like I was, no longer because I don't see the value in it. Um, I'm the same. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think you become yeah. you be, become more realistic as one gets older, yeah. perhaps. Um, but I think that um, the the we we can get quite overwhelmed as perfectionists about how much we need to change in order to be something healthy, for instance. And actually, it's just the small little changes that can make the biggest difference yeah and all it might be Absolutely. is you know the the adding in one extra color to our dish yeah. um, a day and that's it and that could make that could be the difference between having poor gut microbiome and not necessarily a great microbiome and it's yeah. these little tweaks keeping four hours between our meals you know it's another really good one that could just make all the difference um to our health Charlotte, will you ex will you talk to us about gut gut microbiome and yeah. exactly what it is and what it means? Because it's a term that's everywhere at the moment. It really is. Maybe it? some people don't understand exactly what it is and what it means. And um, essentially, Charlie, it is what is residing in our gut in terms of um, the living microbiota. When I say microbiota, I mean the um, bacteria yeast fungi other pathogens there may be some parasites in there um and um helminths so worms that naturally reside in there these are there's basically we are made up of billions and billions of these things and most of them are residing within our our large intestine um, and that is what is called the gut microbiome now the reason that you have to say gut before it is because we actually have these microbiome in um, every orifice of the body so we have an oral microbiome, we have a vaginal microbiome. Um, we, yeah, it, you, you name it, any sort of orifice you can think of and there, there will be bacteria that naturally reside in there. But the gut one is the one that's all in, out in, in the news at the minute because it, is, it's, it, it has an incredible impact on our wider health. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is these gut microbiome that essentially talk to our neuroendocrine system. So our brain, our um, hormone creation our immune system um our serotonin response in the gut all of the you know all of the different elements um, or different systems of the body can be governed by our gut health and likewise our gut health can um or they can also impact our gut health fascinating thank you okay no pleasure i hope that explains it more but i'm sure there's going to be a million questions there Yes, yes, I think there. I had certainly some popping into into my mind um, as you were talking about them. So, I, one thing that really did pop into my mind was antibiotics, because mm. yes. they're not good for our gut microbiome, are they? Oh gosh, it's a tough one. They're not. They're not. But you know, for some things, we need them. Yeah. And so it's, I, I, I have quite a few clients that come to me and go, oh, my gosh, I'm really worried. I've completely obliterated my gut microbiome because I've been on antibiotics. So I've just been powering the probiotics. Um, 
Now, the, the major thing we can do for our gut health is eat a variety of food. Mm. Um, and that's one thing to remember is it's variety is key. And when I say variety, I mean colours and making sure we've got as many abundant natural colours on the plate as we can. And they, all these colours are full of polyphenols and antioxidants and fibre and beautiful things that are going to feed a beneficial gut microbiome. And if you've got that abundance of food in the, um, you know, that, you're, that you're taking in, you then feed an abundance of good bacteria in the gut, essentially. Yeah, yeah. having a really um, good variety. A good variety. And so, so we did not recommend taking probiotics if you've had to have a course of antibiotics or the probiotics can certainly help. But one thing I do believe we are all doing too much of is taking some generic probiotics, taking loads of it and thinking it's fixed it. But yeah. they should be the reason they're called supplements is because they're supplementary to our diet. What you're eating. Yeah. yeah. And I also have some clients two two areas where probiotics may not be great. The first is people that take probiotics and take loads and loads of them because they think it's the more the better because it's all good. But you can have an overgrowth of good bacteria in the gut. You can have too much good bacteria if it's one or two or three strains. Yeah. We should have a massive range. Okay. So there's no point in overdosing on those. And then the second element of people that may not do so well on probiotics are people that have got something called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is acronymed as SIBO. Um, and these people are have basically got bacteria that has migrated from their colon, their large intestine, up into their small intestine, where we shouldn't really have much bacteria at all. Okay. And so that might be good or bad bacteria that's migrated up. Either way, it's just been too much bacteria that's come up. Yeah. And um, an overload. People, yeah, and an overload, but also it can be to do with your stomach acid. It can be to do with poor protein digestion, various things. But either way, they've got this growth in the small intestine. When you take probiotics, you may be feeding that okay. bacteria, yeah. but in the wrong place. Yeah. They're the other people that may not do so well on these probiotics. So it's uh, you know it's just the, the main thing that we can do is is the eating a range of food and then the other element that is so important for gut health is the process of eating and how we eat and um making sure that we are chewing our food correctly and being calm because without doing that we won't digest our food and we will feed a negative bacteria because it will just be feeding on loads of undigested food in yeah. our coat yeah we need to sit down at the table and enjoy our food absolutely you were listening charlie you were listening <laughs> i was listening it, well i i think it's so important to sit down as a family and have conversation and to enjoy your food and to not be standing up eating or in the car eating yeah, yeah on or on a laptop and not thinking about what you're eating as well because i think there's can be a big disconnect in the brain between food you know, between the process, you just sort of shove it in and off you go. I'm thrilled to announce that Alice Straker is going to be season four of my podcast sponsor. AliceStraker.com is just gorgeous. Go and take a look at her website. Alice is a really talented artist and she has put her art onto a range of linens, pottery, prints, tableware and wallpaper. And I just think it's really really gorgeous I have a couple of mugs which I use all the time her tea towels use the most beautiful beautiful quality linen I can highly highly recommend them if you use the code at checkout 
ask Charlie 10, you get 10% off her entire collection. So I really hope you love it as much as I do. Absolutely. And it's a lifetime of habit as well. Yeah. This is what's very interesting. It's a lifetime of habit of, you know, most of us were, if you we were born in the 60s, 70s, 80s, um, you know, you were born in the process, in the period of processed food and a lot of eating on the go. Yeah. Um, and it's big, it's now unraveling those habits of eating on the go and actually getting back to sitting down, having structured meals and enjoying it as a team. Yes. Um, it should be a lovely social thing. Um, and I think that's what's really important that food is thy medicine, but but also so are people. Yeah. So the, the impact of community and sharing um, like so many of our European and Asian um, and you know other cultures essentially do sit down and share a lot more than us Brits dare I say it yes yeah um, you're, yeah you're you're very right um, I'm passionate about seasonal food and seasonal produce and foraging as you probably know yes and I think you know our bodies are designed to eat not the same thing the whole time as well and Absolutely. to have that variety um, yeah. throughout yeah. the different months of the year. Definitely. And our, so there, um, there are things now on sale called soil-based biotics or soil-based probiotics. There's something you've got to remember as well is that when we, are, when we grow our own food, there's the soil changes. So the different levels of micronutrients as, as the seasons go on. And those different levels of micronutrients respond in the body in different ways. And when we seasonally eat we basically get the optimum level of micronutrients for that season, ideally, within that beautiful That's seasonal soil. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so, it's, it, I mean, it's an incredible balance that nature has. Um, and I think when we uh, go out of that seasonal balance, we change the different, um, you know, my, mineral level or micronutrient level of the soil, um, which changes the, essentially reduces the health of the vegetable or the fruit that we're growing. Um, and so that's where it's so beautiful and such a lovely thing to be able to eat seasonally. It also just means you get that range of micronutrients and the micronutrients that are relevant to the season. Yeah. So in the winter, you get these lovely root vegetables, which are very sort of warming and nourishing, give us loads of energy um, that we need in the colder seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's just a really nice, when you really look at what the different, different foods do at the different time of year, they're there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating. I'm learning all the time um, about, you know, different things. And I, I think nature is so clever. Oh, it's, it's just the most incredible. It's the most incredible thing. I've just had been on a call this morning with a lady who runs um, her own sort of botany um, meadow. And with that, she creates beautiful herbal products. Um, and, the, you know, the impact of herbs on our gut health as well is so beautifully important. Um, and they can be, you know, better than... Um, or just as good as vegetables um, yeah. and when talking to a proper botanist about this you're like wow we really are we should be so much more in tune with nature because it supports us so much yeah and it's providing the things that we need at the right time yeah I just posted um a reel about making dandelion tea and I was researching the benefits of oh. dandelions I mean it's fascinating it goes on and on dandelions they're incredible yeah. Yeah. They are incredible and they're here in spring everywhere to boost to boost our immune systems after a long winter and I think it's just incredible. Absolutely. Um, 
but and the liver health it's so great they're such good cleansers in absolutely amazing for our liver yeah I've had lots of people message saying don't they make you pee a lot um well good point it's it's possibly a good thing you're flushing out the toxins you are you absolutely are that's what I say yeah it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing as well they are um they are a natural diuretic for a reason you know they're getting rid of that the the toxins the sort of water soluble toxins yeah it's fascinating it's so clever and then hedgerows in the autumn bursting with you know berries and things like that full of vitamin c you know just full of vitamin c and so different from the you know the big packet you get from aldi in the winter you have a look at the pack and it's come from morocco or whatever and i think that that's it it's i mean you you, everything's a balance isn't it it's so nice sometimes to have raspberries and cream out of season but i think as long as you're getting the seasonal produce in with the ones that are not so seasonal that you really want that's the important thing yeah and that's what i love about you and actually you've got you've such a clever name for your business as well, Balancor. I, I love it. Um, Please, you notice that because it is with you all about balance. You're not, you know, just one single, single-minded. Yeah. You do let your children have sweet things and treats and stuff like that, and 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 getting the right balance between, you know, some naughty stuff and and the majority of the good stuff. Totally. I think life has to be about balance in order for it to be, um, you know, persistent and consistent. I mean, we're all inconsistent, to be honest, as a human race, obviously. But um, to to make long term change, you have to have a balance. But finding a balance is what's so hard to Mm. find the balance. You have to make sure you have the good stuff in there that you love. So if you love dairy milk, keep it in there, but just make sure that you really, really don't overdo it. And make sure you have all of the other good stuff with it. Yeah. <laughs> when I say good stuff, I mean your gem lettuces and your rockets and your berries and your um, you know organic cheeses and what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Balance. Absolutely. Balance. I love the fact that you don't uh, you don't ban chocolate <laughs> because I I think I'd struggle. <laughs> I think I would struggle. So many people that start working with me say, "Look, I'm here, but I will not give up wine." Is a really one that's common, or bread, or um, and I don't ban anything with anyone unless we see that there may be some real toxicity going on or, you know, real, it's a real hindrance to yeah. getting them to their goals. And also it's completely up to the individual. They know their goals. They know what they need to do to get there. And then they make that choice. Yes. Some people say it's not worth it. I'm not prepared to do that. And that's just totally fine because there's so many other things one can do to be yeah. healthy without getting rid of the things they love. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. What are your thoughts on um, sourdough and making your own? Yeah, so you make your own, it's fab because you are essentially nurturing the um, starter um, and that starter, if you leave it to ferment for, um, you know, as one should with sourdough for over 24 hours, then that actually reduces the gluten content of of the flour. Mm. Um, and then you've got basically a beautiful bloomed loaf and that's why it's called called a bloomer because it's it's bloomed it's got that beautiful gut bacteria feed gut prebiotics I should say in it the starter feeds some positive bacteria in the gut or yeast um, and yeah it's a really it's a really great option obviously for celiacs um, it's not so great because it still does have some gluten in there yeah. but if you are gluten sensitive it can be a, a, a quite a nice option for some people 
and it's worth testing out. The danger, of course, is that it's so Moorish that people end up overeating it. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes, because I've moved us on to homemade sourdough. I try um, not to buy bread at all um, anymore. In fact, in fact, I don't buy it. Sometimes Simon will come back with a loaf because bread is his weakness, but I'm encouraging him as much as I possibly can. And I think that's the biggest health change you can make as a mother for the family to make your own bread. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree, actually, because there are so many additives. It's scary when you actually look at the label and you see what's in there. Isn't it? An average of 17 ingredients goes into a shop-bought loaf of bread. And most of them you look at and you have no idea what they are. Um, yeah. And even as sort of a you know, nutritional therapist, I still don't know what humectant really does. Um, and and I think that that's so reducing those weird additives you don't know and just keeping it very, very simple with ideally quality flour. And I think Dove's Farm is a really good option, but I, there are loads of nice quality flours out there. Yeah. Ideally whole grain. So you can keep that sort of fibrous roughage in there. Yes. And then you're on to a winner, to be honest. Completely. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is all of the nasty additives and the processed food that that is the problem, isn't it? I think it that's where it's things have gone wrong. It, totally. I think you can eat in abundance if your body recognizes the food. If the body doesn't recognize what you're eating as food and instead sees it as some stranger, then it's going to react. And when it starts reacting, it affects our immune system and it affects how inflamed our body becomes. And if our body becomes inflamed in any way, it's a weird word that, but sort of thick um, and non-absorbent, then we won't absorb our um, uh, glucose for energy and Mm. all the minerals we need for for energy, metabolism, thyroid health, blah, blah, blah. Um, And so it's about dampening that inflammation that can basically lead us to better health. And so eating a wide range of ideally naturally sourced products um, yeah. and you want to win. and then once you've got the body back in balance I say that's when you can start bringing in you know other things in moderation and you at that point you are able to moderate as opposed to crave and need an enormous amount of chocolate for instance yes yes exactly exactly or caffeine <laughs> yes or caffeine it is fascinating it's really fascinating I broke my shoulder gosh quite a long time ago now it must have been at least eight years and the children had never had a ready meal before. And of course, my arm was in a sling for 16 weeks. It was quite a long time. And they refused to eat the ready meals that I bought home for them. Fascinating. They would not eat them. They thought they were disgusting because they had only had home cooked food. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, the occasional meal out here and there. And they point blankly refused. And so I had to get a friend to do all of our cooking because they wouldn't eat it. <laughs> Sai at this point should have been that person, no? <laughs> well, I know, no. He, he was too busy, poor chap, running around doing everything. Well, I think children are wonderful um, reference points for what we're eating. Yeah. My son so often comes back and says, Mummy, well, lunch wasn't that healthy today, but do you know what? I ate it anyway. And it was fine. And I really like the way he's so very in touch with, with that. And I love the fact that he does eat it anyway. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's just a really good, it's very human. Um, but I think as grown-ups, we become quite detached to the taste of food. 
um, and we're very we're very much we go along with the masses because yeah. the Stirkheim's rule of sociology one person does something another person does something nothing happens immediately so we all do it yeah um, and uh, yeah I think keeping in touch the, the children are just great at letting us sort of reminding us what yeah. food is all about Yes, I often have people saying, oh, my children won't eat that. Or my children are really fussy eaters. Yeah. Um, you know, can you can you give me advice? Can you help? And I have worked with quite a few families over the years, giving them advice on yes. feeding, feeding fussy eaters. We, I think, um, oh, sorry, I had completely interrupted. Go on. Um, sorry. We had um, a pediatrician when the children were tiny um, because they were all born with silent reflux. So mm. they were, you know, yeah, I won't hard, go into that. Hard mothering, hard mothering. Yes, yeah. it was hard mothering. And so we had this amazing pediatrician and he was unbelievable. He said to me, um, now, put their food down in front of them, leave it there for 10 minutes. If they eat it and they've got a clean, you know, a clean plate and they've tried everything, then they can have pudding. If they haven't, there's nothing else. No snacks, no sugary drinks and you know, three meals a day. And he was really kind of black and white. And I, mm. I, I, I took notice and I'd actually nannied years before for a family whose children were really fussy. And because mom had cooked everything from scratch, I was cooking all of their meals and I, it was a battle, but I got them, I got them eating proper food, which, which was, um, which was a challenge, but I was there for a year and I ended up having to go back and, and filling their freezer from time to time because. Bless you, Charlie, I bet you were the best nanny ever. But it taught me, it taught me so much about children's eating habits and, mm. and when this pediatrician sort of reinforced what I had witnessed as a nanny and, and then drew back on my own childhood, it all sort of made sense. And if a child doesn't eat something, then if you give them a nice cereal bar or something, a packet of crisps or something, because you're worried that they're going to be hungry, then they're suddenly, they're going to realize, oh, well, if I don't eat that, then I'll have something else really. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, do you know what? I love this because you're spot on with that. What I see so much in my stressed women over 35 is that so many of them say, oh, I skip lunch because I don't have time for lunch. And it comes down to sort of like thinking about what they do eat then. And of course, they're then sort of grazing on a bit of this and a bit of that in the afternoon. Yeah. And I said to them, well, if you take away the grazing in the afternoon, what would happen? And they'd be like, I'd be starving. I'm like, okay, well, let's take away that grazing in the afternoon. And lo and behold, they come back to me in six weeks and they go, I've started having a really good lunch because otherwise I'm starving and I can't cope till dinner without the grazing. And it's the same logic. If you're going to give a child something a bit later on, they'll just rely upon that. Yes. And these women, you know, are relying upon their grazy, grazy snacks, which are yes. inevitably a Kit Kat and a scone. Yes. Um, and it's the same thing. Give them a nice square meal and they're like, well, that's going to keep me going. So Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> And I think also but you need to spell it out like that sometimes, you know? Yes, you do. I was chatting to one mother years ago and she said, oh, I'm just at my wits end, Charlie. I, um, you know, I cook all this food for them and I put it down and they don't eat it. One of them will only have raw carrots. One of them will only have carrot batons cooked. And one of them wants circular carrots. And I'm tearing my hair out. And I said, well, what happens at school? And she said, well, they eat it. They eat what they're given at school. And I said, so they're taking the mickey out of you. 
yeah, basically, yeah. So you actually need to start from scratch, get rid of all the snacks, get rid of all the sugary drinks, just cook one thing, give it to them. And if they're, and they will soon learn, it will probably take three days. Yeah. Um, but they will learn that actually if they don't eat that food, there is nothing else and they'll be hungry. Yeah. And then the penny will drop and they will realize. And yes, there's things that some children don't like, some adults don't like. We've all got different tastes. But actually, I think you can then, if you keep presenting it, not all the time, but, you know, maybe wait six months and try again. Yeah. And, and maybe looking a little bit different. They'll try it and think, oh, actually, Absolutely. I can eat that. Totally. And it's not foreign. You know, it might be, they say 21 times, 21 exposures, but sometimes it can be 121 exposures, but something that's not foreign to them becomes more and more like their friend. And then yeah. eventually they're like, oh, this red pepper keeps appearing and actually sort of all right because I quite like it on my plate and I'm going to start eating it. And yeah. it's a bit like the sprig of parsley that goes on top of the food and I always add a sprig of some sort of herb on top of the food mm -hmm. and recently I've noticed my son has been eating it and I'm so pleased because I just love yeah. it when he eats the herbs but he just like eats it because he's like this is you know it's my friend it's on top of my food and better start eating it and it's great I love that I love that yeah yeah I think um what would be your advice with sort of children and getting them to eat different things and be adventurous well I think exactly what you've just said um, presentation is key but also never force force feeding like if the children don't want it that is fine but they don't get anything else yeah I think so many parents are like you must eat your food or you don't get pudding as and you did just say that yeah um, I often say to my son I was like if you're not hungry that's absolutely fine but there is no pudding Nothing and else. sort of re making sure it's not a forced feed sort of um scenario yeah um and then also, yeah, just uh, range. I think loads of parents, because we're busy and we're stressed, say, I have the same five meals and I know the children will eat it, so that's what I give them. Yes. Um, and I can see there's a difference between feeling safe and knowing the children are going to eat and giving them something that's completely foreign to them. But perhaps you could try and tweak that safe food every now and then. So if it's beans on toast, you try one piece of brown toast and one piece of white and start that way. Yeah. Um, and maybe add a side of different veg every time you do it. Yes, changing things up. I've Change. actually stopped giving my children pud. They don't have pudding anymore. And I don't really know. I've just realized that talking to you about it. Um, I don't really know why, why it happened, why it stopped. But <laughs> Considering the amount of gorgeous things you make, I'm really surprised about well, that. I mean, they do. They'll, you know, they'll have a cake, they'll have a biscuit or whatever, but they used to always have pudding of some sort after lunch and supper and now they don't they just you know if there is cake on the side they'll have a piece of cake yeah um, yeah and pudding but it's not a regular habit but I think that's quite healthy isn't it I yeah. think it's if it's there great if it's not it doesn't have to be there yes which that's I think setting up habits good. of a lifetime yeah because often I find people have to have something sweet after they've eaten and it's habit Absolutely. totally there's yeah. habit and there is an element of gut bacteria there as well calling um the gut bacteria have been slightly fed and tickled and if yeah. there's a negative growth then that sweet craving can really pop up at that point yeah yeah we have pudding on a sunday this is a sunday treat but i've stopped yeah. it most of the time 
that's great but also if they're not asking for it they're not asking for it yeah don't don't add extra stress as a mother god i've got to make a pudding as well um it's actually quite interesting because coco's 13 and she um is suddenly aware of her figure changing Mm -hmm. and she's really aware of you are what you eat and so she's really mindful um about eating a better diet like Mm -hmm. she's uh, the boys wanted to go to mcdonald's and she said oh no i don't want to mummy I don't want I don't want to go to McDonald's um and we went I took her to Wagon Mama instead and the boys went and had a burger that sounds like a great oh, idea it was, really, it was really interesting you know she's just mm. aware she's asking for sourdough she's asking for homemade soups and she's just yeah more, more I think that's really nice I think it's acting on bad things as well yeah I think it's a really, it's a fine balance, isn't it? As they go into teenage years, especially yeah. with so much exposure to certain messages on social media. Yeah. And I think as long as you're giving them the option and not saying any food is bad. So McDonald's, it's not bad, you know? Yeah. I mean, God, there's not much good in it, but it's not, you know, it's it's all about at the right time, it does the job. Yeah. I talk a lot about um, fueling your body with the right food. Because I yeah, think that's really important because I'm always really conscious about eating issues and things like that. Yeah. And so it's talking about food as food a fuel. Is lovely. And as their medicine almost. Um, yes. And also the enjoyment of food. I think just making sure that whenever they're eating that food, it's in a lovely, enjoyable, safe environment. Yeah. I think that's a really nice way. Um, and obviously every now and then we're on the go and rushing or what have you. But it sounds like you have such a lovely evening meal together I love sitting down at the table and and chatting and catching up on the day I think it's really really important yeah and I and you know not everyone can do that I appreciate it but it's about making the space at some point in one's week exactly when there are at least a couple of meals where the people the, the children can experience that enjoyment yeah and we always sit down and have Sunday lunch but that might be at lunchtime it might be at two o'clock or it might be in the evening just depending on what's going on but Sunday is a really important day where we all sit down and whether it's sitting down and having breakfast together or supper or or lunch I try at least once a day to sit with the children and talk to them and phones I've banned from the table yeah that I think that's so wonderful um, and something we can all be guilty of just popping our phones on the side of the table, even if it's turned over. It's like, no, get it away. Yes. Yeah. such a distraction. And it's such a subconscious for the children to see it there and be like, oh. Yeah, exactly. I've realised because of what I do, I spend a lot of time on my phone and I'm really conscious about putting it down, putting it out of sight, putting it on silence and not showing the children that I'm on it the whole time and having boundaries, because how can I expect them to then have healthy boundaries? Absolutely. And I think this is something they're probably going to be much better at it than we are, because they'll have like, you know, so much, there'll be so much out there, hopefully about management of phone time and things like that. But I do think that they will um, look back perhaps on these years and be like, but mummy was often on her phone. And I'm very conscious of that too. I like try and basically when they get back from school and I just try and completely push it away. Yes. Yes. And saying that mine was just pinging. <laughs> I've got a very noisy pigeon in my chimney. I hope you can't hear it. 
Oh, no, I can't hear it. Okay. No, it's just started raining here quite heavily, so I hope you can't hear that. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, black. it's Scotland. We've got rain, of course. <laughs> oh, Charlotte, it's so lovely chatting to you. Thank you so much for coming for a third time. Oh, it's <laughs> such a pleasure. Well, it's so nice, isn't it? It's like we're having a natter. It's, it's great. So nice. I cannot wait to meet you in person. Please let I... me know when you're up here in Scotland. I will. I absolutely promise. I absolutely promise. And it's lovely. Your lovely friend, Alice, who has Pairs Scotland, the wonderful yes. socks, oh, such socks. which is amazing. So yeah, I know. Isn't that so great? I love the power of connections and community. Um, yes, do you know, they're about to bring out some great knee-high socks. <gasps> really exciting. Yes. Oh, that is really exciting news. I know, because I actually looked at, I can't remember what website it was, but I took a screenshot and sent it to them. It was this girl looking very glamorous in the knee highs. I was like, they're coming. This is it. And they were like, they're already here. <laughs> so exciting. That is brilliant. They're, they're such a great company. And it's just, I think the power of social media to meet other people and to connect is, is wonderful because we would never have met. And um, uh, well, your community, Charlie, full stop. I mean, what gorgeous people you've got in there. And um, um, I really well, think that it's a it's a really powerful tool. Thank you. We, we were so lucky. Charlotte came on to my members club and gave a webinar to everybody talking, um, talking much more about nutrition, which was just it was so kind of you to come and, and do that and chat to everybody. The feedback was incredible. Really oh, it's so good. It was so nice to do it. Thank you for inviting me. Um, well, it's an absolute, you know, pleasure to have you. And it was just so kind of you to, you know, give up your time and, and chat to everybody. I really, really appreciated it. Well, I mean, a bit like you, Charlie, you probably love talking about everything you do. And I do, I think anyone in these sorts of roles just love talking, I'm passionate about them. And, I, you know, ultimately, this job is for passion rather yeah. than for finance. And I think that, um, yeah, I'll always happily talk about food everything I do is about making life easier and I think eating eating well makes life not only easier but better and it doesn't have to break the bank either you know you can eat really well but you know on a on a tight budget as well because I, I've done it <laughs> I've been there yeah, so this is, I think, really important for people because so many people get put off with the word organic as a start um, or talking about a range of food. They're like, well, this is all very well and good, but I don't have the money nor time. Yeah. Um, and this plan that I'm about to launch, the kind of plan is all about that. It's, it's sort of limiting your ingredients to a handful, maybe 20 ingredients, but creating an abundant menu with that um, mm. in a decent, within a decent budget. Um, Amazing, and I think that it's just so important for people to have that um, up their sleeve because Definitely. I think you know, when time are you launching that? Um, it's going to be next week. Oh wow! Very exciting. I know oh, it's so supposed to be this, this week. Goes so that's out. Why. When this goes out, so I'm going to leave all of your details linked down below. Brilliant. So if people would like to find out more about you and Balancor Nutrition and the Kinder Plan, Kinder Plan. Yeah. The kind of plan then they can do charlotte thank you so much for your time it's been as ever gorgeous to chat with you and i sometimes well it, i've never had these problems with with um 
having to redo an episode, but this is our third time. And I, but we've had lovely conversations in the previous time. So Delayed ones. Well. It was sort of the two minute delay where we were talking and then we'd have to wait <laughs> for the response. <laughs> anyway, it has gone smoothly today. Thank you so much for coming on. Such a pleasure. Thank you. House, happy home. Thank you. Take care. Bye. I would be really grateful if you are enjoying my podcast, if you would just take a moment to hit the subscribe button. It helps other people know that we exist and I would be so grateful of that. And leave me a review. The more subscribers we have, the more episodes I can put on for you. So please just take a moment and hit the subscribe button.